0: We're at 8,028. The telethon that saved the Indiana Pacers. In 1984, Colt fever swept through the city of Indianapolis.
1: The Colts were the talk of the town.
0: The year the Colts moved to Indianapolis.
1: 1987, I do solemnly proclaim,
0: open the 10th Pan-American Games in Indianapolis, Indiana, in the United States of America. The international competition that helped put Indianapolis on the map. Not many people had a better seat witnessing a city grow from India no place to the place for hosting some of the biggest sporting events in the world. Born and bred Hoosier Hall of Fame journalist Bill Benner did. He shares highlights from his long career in sports journalism. Everything from which big event turned the tide for Indy. His relationship with the late Bob Knight and growing up on the farm in Johnson County. Bill Benner, my guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. Hello and welcome to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. I'm Gary Dick. For Bill Benner, it all started back in 1968 with ping-pong balls and a paddle. His first story ever published? A feature in his hometown paper on a rising table tennis star from Greenwood. Those sports writing days at the Indianapolis Star would last some 33 years, part of his 45-year career covering the Pacers, Colts, Olympic Games, Final Fours, and everything in between. And I am really pleased to be joined on the podcast this week by Bill Benner, former, a longtime uh, journalist, former Indie Star columnist and reporter uh, for many years, 30 plus years. You're at the IBJ as a columnist for more than a dozen years, 17 years as a major contributor to Inside Indiana business as well. Uh, Bill, how are you? I'm wonderful, Gary. And uh, i honored and a pleasure to be uh, back with you. Yeah, uh,
1: certainly valued our time together inside Indiana business and our, our long term
0: relationship and friendship. A- absolutely. Now, OK, are you officially retired? I can't see you as fully retired. What are you up to these days?
1: Well, I, I do put on my email signature, mostly retired. <laughs> um, I still I still do a few uh, part time um, writing gigs as they as they come along. I'm, I'm still very uh, actively involved in a multi year passion Special Olympics Indiana. Still involved with the Pacers Foundation. Uh, going back to my my last job with with Pacers Sports and Entertainment, and so I I, I have enough to uh, to keep me busy. Uh, mm-hmm. And my wife and I, we 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 try to travel. My wife Sherry, and uh, we try to try to travel as as much as uh, we possibly can.
0: You know, you mentioned Special Olympics, and that made me think. You know, you have interviewed and and been around so many great. Indiana people over the years, you mentioned special Olympics and Carl Erskine and the, the impact that he has had on so many people. And I know, I know you're, you're friends with Carl and uh, what, what a special guy he is.
1: Well, again, the uh, Ted Green's documentary, the best we've got. Uh, I was uh, again, honored, thrilled to be a part of that. Uh, Carl and I go uh, way back. His son, Johnny was special. Olympian. Uh, Carl and Betty are incredibly uh, wonderful, giving people. And uh, again, our relationship involving Special Olympics, Indiana, goes far back. And if you've not seen, if anybody in our, uh, watching has not seen the best we've got, which tells the life story of Carl Orskine and his history of inclusion, uh, both with Jackie Robinson of the Brooklyn Dodgers and certainly with Special Olympics, Indiana, it is a must-see, and it will inspire you. To uh, go out and,
0: and live a better life. Yeah, yeah, very well done indeed. You know, Bill, what a career. Uh, you have had 40 plus years as a sports journalist here in Indianapolis, uh, 33 uh, at the Star, 12 at the IBJ. Again, you were with us at Inside Indiana Business for 17 years. But you covered sports, obviously, but have really had, really did have a front row seat for an amazing time in Indianapolis sports but also for Indianapolis itself. And the two are so linked together, sports, Indianapolis, the growth of Indianapolis, and you really got to, got to witness it all. What uh, We could go on for a long time on that topic, but as you think back on, on that evolution of sports and the evolution of Indianapolis, your thoughts. Well, Gary, uh, one of the great things that happened in my professional
1: uh, sports writing career was uh, – I got the Indiana Pacers beat in 1974, and that's when they moved in to Market Square Arena. And I'm not discounting the, uh, the the great Coliseum days of the ABA Pacers, but Dick Luger's decision to build Market Square Arena downtown, and Jim Morris was his deputy mayor at the time, that was the first domino that fell in advancing Indianapolis forward as a, as a sports capital. And then Morris and these crazy guys got together and had this idea where they would uh, make Indianapolis the amateur sports capital of the world and invest in the infrastructure: Market Square Arena, later the, the Hoosier Dome, Auditorium, Track and Field Stadium, Roy, Course at Eagle Creek. All those I- infrastructure investments, and then the attraction of the associations: uh, USA Track and Field, USA Gymnastics, Diving, to go along with that, just catapulted Indianapolis. Um, And there was just one step that upon another the relationship with the NCAA and our hosting of of Final Fours and taking those to another level, which enabled us to eventually attract the NCAA and sign the subsequent long-term agreement that they would bring Final Fours and their annual convention and other championship events to Indianapolis. So my ability and my great fortune to be there to cover it for the Indianapolis Star, uh, as both the, as a beat rider for the Pacers, then later as a columnist. Uh, yeah. It was just a, an incredible, incredible journey and time. And I'm so thankful for that. And then in the second half of my career, I got to be involved in trying to attract uh, those events the Super Bowl, the, the Big Ten basketball tournaments, the Big Ten
0: football championship, those kinds of things. Uh, I really had the best of both worlds, Gary. Yeah, yeah, and who would have thought back then that Indianapolis would ever attract, ever attract a Super Bowl? Uh, yeah. You know, let alone all all the all the Final Fours. And the impetus for this week, or this this movement, if you will, you mentioned uh, Jim Morris and you know Ted Boehm. There's so many other names to throw in there. Was this whole idea that Indiana Indianapolis needed an image? That it that right that it that it didn't it didn't really have you know you had the five hundred certainly but it really did not have an image not necessarily a bad image although you had the Indiano place moniker that was on there but it was trying to create an image for the city.
1: Well, yeah, we were we were truly NapTown uh, eleven months out of the year and um, they did have this. Uh, they actually went to a retreat. Uh, I believe it was at Brown County. And brainstormed what what can we do? What 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 would be our niche? And uh, they focused on this uh, this that crazy notion uh, of amateur sports. But I, I compare us with Louisville at the time. Uh, Indianapolis we had the Indianapolis 500 race. Louisville had uh, the Kentucky Derby, and 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 that was it. And we both had ABA franchises. But Indianapolis made this again the necessary infrastructure investments. Established the relationships with with people that enabled Indianapolis to uh, to become this destination city for amateur and then of course professional sports through the Pacers and then later on through the Colts. It is a true American success story, Gary. That um, other cities have since tried to uh, replicate, and it's become as you know, it's become very very competitive because. And I was involved when I was working for the Convention and Visitors Association. We had a number of cities that would come to Indianapolis and say, "How did you do this?" And uh, they they would want uh, they would want our playbook because. And now you see it happening in cities across the country: Las Vegas, Nashville. I could yeah, go on,
0: I could go on and on. Uh, other stories trying to uh, to follow that Indianapolis model. As you think back on reporting it at, at, at that time, what was the kind of reaction? In, in Indianapolis to this whole idea of, of Indy becoming a sports capital? Was there you know, was there a lot of buy-in? Did, did grassroots Indianapolis really think it was something that would happen, or were there a lot of doubters?
1: Well, I think there was certainly a significant degree of skepticism. Can we really pull this off? Anytime you get involved in, in spending public funds for Market Square Arena, the Hoosier Dome, an auditorium, a track and field station, those kinds of things, uh, so, uh, yeah, there, there is pushback, and and it was a lively public debate at the time. But um again, Dick Luger, Richard Luger, he had a vision for downtown Indianapolis, and then we had great leadership following that. With what three straight terms from Bill Hudnut, we had a, a city county council that that bought into that. Uh, the Unigov, the way that Unigov played a supportive role in uh, allowing Indianapolis to uh, pursue this a sports initiative uh, was hugely important. And Gary, remember, we built a football stadium without a football team to play. Without
0: a team, right? Yeah, yeah. That,
1: that did that did attract uh, 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 a fair degree of "What are you doing?" kind of thing. But then, you know, we got the Colts. We just happen to have serendipity. We just happen to have blue seats. Blue
0: seats. I I remember that story, al- allegedly, of Bob Ursay walking into the, you know, before they did the deal and seeing the blue seats, and that yeah. kind of clinched the table. Yeah, said-
1: yeah and, and Bob, this is for you. We did the blue seats <laughs> for
0: you. But,
1: you know, having the Hoosier Dome, again, that enabled us as the NCAA tournament expanded and, and uh, the Final Four expanded beyond conventional arenas uh, to uh, solve the demand of the public into dome stadiums. There we were with the dome stadium with a convention center attached to it right in the middle and right in the heart of our downtown. It was an ideal setup. And then we brought the necessary people resources to it to take every one of those events, whether it was the NBA all-star game, whether it was uh, final fours or regionals, whatever it was, or world championships, we bring the people resources and the creativity uh, to
0: really elevate all those events, and that continues to this day, and I'm very proud to say that. There was the National Sports Festival, the Pan Am Games, numerous Olympic Trials. You mentioned uh, Final Fours and other big events. The arrival of the Colts uh, in 1984. Can you point to a kind of a tipping point? Uh, was there was there one? Uh, event or thing that happened in your view that that really put Indianapolis over the top when it came to creating this this sports capital image?
1: Yeah, I think it was the National Sports Festival in 82, because 82, it was an yeah. sports event. It was kind of the Olympic Committee had determined that we needed an in-between, a, in-between the Olympics event to kind of bring the nation's elite athletes in uh, all the Olympic disciplines together. And uh, so doing that in 1982, I really think that showed Indianapolis and the country, yes, we can take on an event of this magnitude. And then subsequently to that was the, you know, the Pan American Games, which right. were a resounding success uh, by, by any measure. And again, we, we, we blew it out. Uh, the final fours that came after that, going all the way up through the Super Bowl, And as I said earlier, it continues to this day. But if I had to go back to the one that probably said, yeah, you know what?
0: We are who we said we were going to be was the National Sports Festival. What do you remember about covering uh, the Colts arrival in Indianapolis or the the, uh, hoopla leading up to that? I was a reporter at Channel 6 at the time, and I remember. And, of course, that was before cell phones and before the Internet and all that stuff and you know, you really had to be true reporters. You know, you had to go out and talk to people and write right. down notes and all. But it was crazy. You know, the rumors flying back and forth. And and what what do you remember about that that era? Well, was it was a very clandestine
1: uh, negotiation. And yeah, they how they got Bob Ursay in and out of town without anybody knowing about it. I, I I know the, uh, the the discussions took place at the Columbia Club downtown, but they they did an incredible job of keeping the lid on that at the time Gary I was actually I was actually in Seattle covering the final four and I got the phone call uh, from our assistant sports editor at the time and he said it's confirmed the the Mayflower bands have left Baltimore and they're on their way to Indianapolis and I just remember oh my god we're, <laughs> uh, this is a seismic event uh, for Indianapolis you know and again the moxie and the wherewithal and the ability to build uh, a dome stadium without a guarantee of having an NFL team to play in it was, um, and and they also measured about, they went to the Carrier Dome in Syracuse and measured the Carrier Dome just to make sure that the footprint of the Carrier Dome would fit there between the railroad tracks and the existing convention center. And how that all came together. And then uh, the arrival of the Colts was a huge, huge uh, success story.
0: Yeah, huge, uh, huge for downtown Indianapolis as well. And you talk about success in the Colts. Ultimately, those first number of years were, were certainly a challenge, the win loss uh, ledger, but there was ultimately success in a Super Bowl. But, but prior to that, the Pacers, and obviously basketball has such a, a special connection to indiana but the pacers and i know you you covered the team uh intimately you know the pacers indianapolis you covered the knicks or the hicks versus the knicks that that was a special time in indianapolis sports you look to me that 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 Nick series then later the magic was uh was a, a really interesting series and the the bulls uh, in those playoff series but market square arena what it was like downtown uh was hard to describe well, uh, and to talk about the Pacers, you you have to talk about the formation
1: of the team, of the building of Market Square Arena, you know, then the telethon would saved
0: the franchise. Talk Slick about and- that. There are a lot of people who may not remember. I remember that, that was before I was began my professional career. But Slick and Nancy Leonard and a, a literal, as you say, a literal telethon to save the team. Yeah, and Chet Coppock was the master of ceremonies. But yeah, and had that
1: had that not happened, I don't know where we would have the emotional and financial wherewithal to move forward and build a Dome Stadium to attract an NFL team. But they saved the Pacers. They, we had out-of-state ownership with Sam Nassi and uh, Jerry Buss. There was a threat that the uh, Pacers might move, and then the Simons stepped in, and, and Herb Simon is now the longest-tenured uh, NBA uh, governor but then, yes, and then we get Donnie Walsh, bring him in from Denver. Uh, Donnie begins to he, – he drafts this spindly kid out of UCLA, not Steve Alford. but Not Rick, Steve
0: Alford, uh, which was controversial,
1: yeah. Which was very controversial. Uh, gets this, this kid from Marist College, Rick Smith. Smith. Uh, begins to put the pieces together, and then he brings in his buddy, former ABA coach, uh, Larry Brown. And before you know it, it's six versus Knicks and away we go. Gary, those moments, uh, you know, I was there for eight eight points and eight point nine seconds with Oh, Rich.
0: you were there at Madison Square Garden. Uh, the twenty-five point fourth quarter
1: uh, oh. that had in Madison Square Garden. And, and and the Gary, the Pacers Racers weekends. Oh, when, oh where we would have with the five hundred mile race and then we'd yeah. have a Pacer playoff game. I mean, those were electric, electric times. In, in our city's history, and I I, I was so, uh, again I I use this word I was so fortunate to be able to there to to be able to write about it and be involved with it.
0: And, and I know you've talked about this before, but but that that Pacers Knicks series, obviously it was about basketball, but really it was about more than basketball, right? Well, it was
1: yeah, it was cultures. I mean, we it was Hicks versus the Knicks, and they were so full of themselves. <laughs> And Reggie, uh, as only Reggie could, went in and punctured their pomposity. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, you know, it, we, we, had, we had that with Spike Lee. Yeah, But it was, you know, for our city, again, it was another one of those moments where it affected our our, our the psyche of our city that we can't take on the biggest market in the world and beat them at their game. And they thought it was their game or well, hell. Indiana's basketball is our game. That's right. And at the highest level, we beat them at their game, and uh, again, great, great times. And then, it, then at it, that evolves into Pacers versus the Bulls, which yeah. was and Michael Gordon. With Michael, yes, kind of the same, uh, the same thing. Gary, they used to run my columns during the Bulls series. They would run my columns in the Chicago Tribune. And we would run the Chicago Tribune's column, columns at the Star. My gosh, I don't remember that. Wow! Oh, and I got, I got so much hate mail uh, <laughs> uh, because I I would make fun of the uh, uh, Phil Jackson and the Bulls and talk about the Jordan rules
0: and and all. Yeah, this. it was a great, great, great fun time. So, how did you deal with because as a columnist, you know, you're putting your opinion out there, right? And I mean, you always you know, struck me as certainly a very fair guy, but yet no matter if you're, you're a columnist, you're going to get hate mail. Was there a topic or a person that you covered that generated the most hate mail?
1: Yeah. Well, that question was Bob Knight. Uh, And I was one of the first to kind of, you know, I came, I had a great relationship with Knight in the early years, but with every, everybody, every journalist, you would eventually come to the crossroads and uh, I came to my crossroads with with Coach Knight in, in about 1984, and shortly thereafter he threw the chair. And I was concerned about his representation of the university beyond the championships, beyond the success that his the uh, this, his athletes were having in the uh, the classroom, and more again the overall representation of the university. And so, but Gary, thank God that was all before um, social media. Oh gosh, yeah, uh, I couldn't that, imagine I, what that would have been like. Uh, but I did. I do have. I still have some letters that I keep. Uh, every now and then, I take them out just to remind, just to remind me to be have uh, some humility and and be <laughs> humble. I will say this: uh, despite my criticism of, of 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 Coach Knight, if I had one game to win, with especially if I had inferior talent, I would have had Bob Knight. Yeah, probably be the coach of that team, because he he played but he coached basketball the way uh, many Hoosiers wanted to see it uh, played. And one more thing, uh, as we're talking about Coach Knight, another great aspect of my journalism career Gary, was being there when we had Gene Cady at Purdue and Bob Knight at Bloomington, and walking into Mackey Arena or Assembly Hall on those nights, uh, there was no atmosphere that could compare.
0: No question about it. And I was there for a few of those uh, in both places. And, you know, on a cold January or February night or whatever, you come in there, and it was hard to describe. Talk about that rivalry, you know, Purdue and IU, but also how would you describe the the Bob knight jean uh, Katie rivalry? Well, I would point out to the Indiana fans that Katie did finish
1: 21-20 all-time uh, versus Knight. But it was Katie's ability to walk into Assembly Hall right from the get-go, right from the very first game, and say, "I'm not going to take anything from anybody." Yeah, uh, using those exact words, <laughs> and uh, and he, Katie embraced the rivalry and really uh, uh, wouldn't back down and wouldn't say wouldn't surrender the state to uh, to Bob Knight, and uh, and so again, I think it was that. During that stretch, uh, and I know people talk about Louisville, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke. But during that time, during those uh, 20-some years, there it, that rivalry was unparalleled. Subsequent to that, Gary, as Bob Knight has had uh, uh, issues, health issues, yeah. he's had no greater ally than Gene Cady. Yeah, I've seen and, that, yeah. Uh, Gene Cady has uh, called okay. him has supported him, and in one of my final uh, acts with the Pacers, we had the Hickory Knights, and we were able to bring Coach Knight and Coach Katie together for a Hickory Knight at at the field house, and it was a special occasion. But uh, Gene is – and I'm so glad that Gene went into the Naismith Hall of Fame. Knight obviously has been there for a long time, and uh, it's – Again, there was nothing like that rivalry.
0: Yeah, one more question on, on on Bob Knight. Do you think, and obviously a lot of things changed. Left IU, very bitter ending uh, there, and he did return to Assembly Hall a few years ago. But there was a lot of a lot of focus, a lot of talk on the fact that he didn't come back. Uh, there was a big anniversary, I think it was of the '76 team. They didn't didn't come back for it. People were critical of that. Do you think he missed an opportunity, you know, to come back and to be a part of? You know that that great championship team and all of the things that he accomplished there as well.
1: Absolutely, Gary. And, 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 and it, Bob Knight is Bob Knight, and um, but yes, there was not opportunity, was not. Indiana University certainly had his arms open on any number of occasions to embrace Bob Knight's return. I'm glad it finally happened. Uh, I'm glad that there was some closure there. But, yes, it was an opportunity missed, uh, but nobody was ever going to tell Bob Knight what to say or do to, or how to act. I mean, that, that was how he was. And um, I, I just hope and I, I believe that when the time comes, uh, Indiana University will thoroughly uh, embrace uh, what he represented for the university.
0: Much more with Bill Benner uh, when we return. Uh, including uh, the uh, the evolution of sports journalism, much more when the Business and Beyond podcast continues. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guest this week is longtime journalist and community leader here in Indianapolis and Indiana, uh, Bill Benner. And um, Bill, we've talked a lot uh, in the first part of the podcast here about uh, about your journalism career. Uh, So you grew up, you are a true and true Hoosier. You grew up in Center Grove. Talk about growing up in Center Grove, because back then you were out in the country.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, I grew up in a farmhouse. On we weren't farmers, but uh, we grew up in a farmhouse uh, in, on Morgantown Road. Uh, it's become very, <laughs> it's all subdivisions now. But uh, it was very much a farming community when I was there. I grew up working on farms, baling hay, and I, I won't go into what I did with pigs. But it wasn't, it wasn't, it uh, wasn't very pretty. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I I, sp- I spent a lot of time uh, in my summer times working on farms, uh, hanging out with the farm boys. It was a great, great upbringing. I had great teachers, a great principal. Mel Vandermeer was there for for years and years. The gymnasium is, is now named for uh, Mr. Vandermeer. But, uh, you know, it was idyllic at the time. And I won't say that I walked back and forth uh, five miles to, to school. I did ride the <laughs> school bus. Uh, but it was, a, it was a wonderful upbringing. For uh, both my older brother and sister, and, and my younger brother David, David was actually student manager on the seventy-two Centerville basketball team that upset unbeaten Richmond in the semi-state at Anklefield House. And so, yeah, it, it was a wonderful upbringing. I learned the value of hard work. Yeah, my parents emphasized education. And uh, the other thing about our farmhouse, Gary, we sat on a bluff, and I could see Indiana thirty-seven. And so I, I I would follow the traffic, especially on game days. Oh north yeah, and north on Indiana Thirty Seven. And so it was always my dream to to go to IU, and uh, I eventually got there.
0: Well, how how did you get so you, you IU guy uh, was journalism, writing was that always something that uh, that you wanted to do? Yeah, uh, Gary, my dad was a devoted newspaper
1: reader, and so we had the Indianapolis Star and the Indianapolis News delivered to our house, and so. That was a ritual. I would. I grew up reading the sports section of the Indianapolis Star, and so that kind of. And I wrote for the the Trojan Air and and the school newspaper at Center Grove. But this is where obstacle became opportunity. When I came out of Center Grove, I wanted to go to IU Bloomington, but we didn't have the money, so I had to. I had to attend during the day what was then the IU Extension, now IUPUI. Yeah, Uh, it was in three old converted business buildings uh, in downtown. Indianapolis. And so during the day, I, I attended class at the IU Extension, but at night I got a job thanks to my dad who worked at the star in a non-newspaper. Uh, he was a, a press, uh, he ran a commercial printing department. There was a I got a job as a scoreboy. And the scoreboys, we answered this is again before computers and cell phones. Yeah. We gave out scores. People would call everyone, what was the IU score? What was the Butler score? We gave out scores, but we would also, we ran wired copy across the hall into the big sports department. So I got to know Bob Collins and Harrison Howard and Bob Williams and Cy McBride and John Banch, uh, the, the real sports writers. A year later, after being a scoreboy, uh, they had, it would be called an internship today, but they would let people, uh, college age guys, come across the hall and work in. The real sports department one of my fellow scoreboys was none other than jeff smolian who later ah. became the you know at ms worldwide and so after my freshman year i asked simic brother executive sports center i said i'd like to move across the hall and try my hand at, at doing that and he, he said okay uh and so i moved across the hall i would edit horse racing results take little league scores bowling scores write little headlines on two-paragraph stories. Toward the end of that summer, Gary, uh, people were on vacation. A lady named Mary McIlwain from Greenwood won the singles United States Singles Table Tennis Championship. They had nobody to do the story. Cy McBride said, hey, kid, would you like to do this? I said, heck, yes. Yeah. So I went off, and I interviewed Mary McIlwain and came back, uh, wrote about 500 words, gave it to sigh very nervously, He scratched it up a little bit. He said, you know what? This is not too bad, kid. We're going to run it in the paper tomorrow. Oh. In August of 1969, I got my first byline in the Indianapolis Star, and the hook was set. I stayed in the sports department during my sophomore year, finally saved up enough money to go to IU Bloomington, my junior and senior years. And then when I came out in 71, uh, I had a job waiting for me, covered high school sports, and then three years later, got the Pacers gig as they moved into market square arena
0: and the rest is uh, as they say history thinking back on that and, and all things change uh, obviously but uh, obviously the newspaper business has changed uh, dramatically since those days uh, te- television news uh, and how how television covers news has changed the internet has changed just your take bill as you look at the state of of journalism sports journalism but just journalism um, in, in general as you see it now, I mean, you know, you know, the resources that were put to covering news back then a lot different than it is today as well.
1: Well, Gary, you know, again, back in, in my time at the Star, we had 15 full time riders, probably mm-hmm. and, uh, a dozen stringers. Uh, and now the resources are such a, 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 it's all driven by clicks. You know, I the print uh, in some markets Print has already in major major markets has already reduced to two or three days a week. I see that probably eventually eventually happening here in Indianapolis. It makes me sad. I still take the print edition of the Indianapolis Star. I read the print edition of the Wall Street Journal. It, you know, it's 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 these things. Yeah. And and the generations behind us are certainly they're now reading print editions. They're reading everything online. And and the New York times this week, uh, no, no sports section any longer. And so it's all going digital. Uh, I regret that. Uh, I'm sad to see it. Uh, But I'm a, I'm a man from another era. I'm an ink stained wretch at heart. (laughs) And um, I I find it sad to see, but I also see it as
0: uh, a part of the way our
1: society is
0: evolving. What about the impact that social media has had uh, certainly on, on journalism news in general, but sports, you know, as well, it's just unbelievable what what gets out there, and immediately, you know, instantly. Well, you have to react immediately. So if uh, yeah, right, if, if uh, Anthony Richardson throws an
1: interception on his third pass, you're on, you're you're on Twitter or excuse me, X, and yeah. you're saying, boy, Anthony Richardson, what a dumb, what a dumb play that was, or you're saying something that will generate. Conversation on on the internet. uh Back in the day, Carrie, even on deadline, at least I had a few minutes to uh, kind of collect my thoughts about what had what I had just seen and what had transpired on the field of play or on the on on on, on the basketball court. But now you have to be reacting throughout the course of a game instantly, and because again, you're trying to, to generate clicks, and I I find that. Uh, regrettable, but I also find it, uh, as, as I said earlier, as part of the evolving times that uh, that we're in. And it's, again, it's, you go to the Indianapolis Story, in their newsroom, they have a thing that shows how many clicks they're generating. Yeah. And what kind of uh, social
0: media reaction
1: they're getting to stories that they're posting online.
0: Uh, hey, before we go, I want to play a um, uh, real quick Kind of name association. Doesn't have to be a, a word, but maybe a, a comment, if you will, on some of the people you've covered over the years, if you don't mind. Are you game for that, yeah. Bill? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, we talked about it earlier, but Bob Knight. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh I mean he had
1: a he had a basketball mind that was um uh, on another level. Uh really one of the most brilliant basketball minds uh, we've ever known. Gene Cady. Aure, uh, Feisty. And ready, to, ready to go. You know, he got hit by in a when he was in high school. He got hit in the head with a shot put, uh, and I think that uh, that never it affected him for his life. Now, he's a uh, as loy as loyal a guy. I would that would be my final word: loyal. Reggie Miller, the California kid who came to Indiana and and made his home here. 18 years with one franchise. I yeah. mean it happened anymore.
0: Uh, I don't think so. Uh the California kid who became one of our own. Okay, here this isn't a sports guy but certainly a big connection to the Indianapolis sports scene, Bill Hudnut. Transformative. He again
1: he took the seeds that had been sown by Richard Luger and took them to uh the another level. And uh, I think about Bill Hanut every time I walk down Maryland Street and see that incredible uh, statue to him. Yep. Wonderful, wonderful leader. Uh, one more, Jim Irsay. Uh <laughs> A uh, Jim Ursay. He is well. Again, I would say loyal. He is, uh, and he he wants so badly to win. That I hope he sometimes gets in his own way of that, but an incredible uh,
0: owner, family oriented, and I'm I'm glad we have it. Glad we yeah. have it. As you look to the future, Bill, uh, as we kind of kind of kind of wrap up, as you look at Indianapolis. We talked about it earlier. Uh, Indianapolis was the first local sports commission, I think, back in 1979. Now there are, I think, over 300 <laughs> around the country. The competition is fierce. You've got incentive pools of money that are being put together all over the country to compete for Final Fours and and big sporting events. You've got, uh, you know, Nashville's building a dome stadium. The competition is 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 very fierce. How, how do you how do you look at Indianapolis? How the city is positioned now for continued or future success in the world of uh, you know being that that sports capital? Can Indy maintain that uh, that title? Well, Gary, in the short term, we we have uh, two men's final
1: fours and a women's final four coming. Uh, I think we will continue, and we're going to have the Olympic swim trials at Lucas Oil Stadium. What Indianapolis can do, facilities, and the one thing you can't, you know, uh, the money that other c- cities might be putting into the pot to attract events, whether we can play in that arena or not, I think remains to be seen. The one thing that other c- cities, however, can't duplicate is our people resources, our volunteer core, and the creativity. And I always, I love to use this example. Uh, in bidding for the NBA All Star Game, there were I think 15 cities that bid for the NBA All Star Game. 14 of those cities mailed in their bids. The 15th city had Larry Bird drive an Indy car, uh, an Indy car down, yeah,
0: Avenue
1: <laughs> and personally deliver the bid to Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner. So. That's what we can do. Our Super Bowl. We have a zip line for our Super Bowl. So the creativity, and I think we'll see it with the NBA All-Star Game. In fact, I know we're going to see it with the NBA All-Star Game. The creativity, the people resources that we continue to bring to every event that we do, I believe that resonates. We're in a, we're in a battle right now for the Big Ten Championship in, in Vegas and other, other markets getting involved. But the one thing that they those cities can't replicate or duplicate is our creativity and our people resources so much so that every time one of these, these comes about, they rewrite the bids after it's over. After we did our Super Bowl, the NFL rewrote the bid book. Yeah. Um, And I think when the NBA all-star comes and goes, the NBA will go to future cities. You need to do what Indianapolis did. So I'm, I'm, I'm confident uh, but money will come into the play. Facilities will come into play and we will continue to have to be if you want to play in that arena, you, you got to marshal the resources.
0: Well said. Bill Benner uh, has been a real treat to to catch up with you. I, I am uh, uh, so fortunate to count you as a friend. You've been so impactful in the world of journalism and and for our city uh, and our state as well. Hall of Fame journalist, also a Hall of Fame person as well. Thanks very much.
1: Thanks, Gary. And again, so honored uh, my time spending with you weekly with Inside Indiana Business. Uh, it was a great way to kind of
0: close out my uh, my sports uh, journalism career. So thank you. You bet. And we'll see you very soon. And thank you for joining us on this episode of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. It's a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment and beyond And you can download all of our episodes and get Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.